are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Friday, November 9th edition of the Lockdown Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, editor and writer for LeBron Wire, part of the USA Today NBA Wire sites, also a writer for the Associated Press and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. It is a Friday. We are back with a Friday episode. This is the last episode we're going to have before the weekend. Uh, The Blazers are off on Saturday, and then they will play once again on Sunday. We're going to highlight Sunday's game at the end of the podcast, as we always do here on Locked On Blazers. But first, we're going to start with another victory, Portland's third straight win at home, 116-105 over the Los Angeles Clippers to improve to 9-3 on the season. They were made in third place in the Western Conference, and they are just one half game behind uh, the Denver Nuggets for the second seed right now in, in the West. And also, conversely, the Northwest Division, which uh, is also technically up for grabs, even though, you know, it's, it's more of like a tiebreaker thing now at this point than it is like a real important thing. But the Blazers get the win against a really solid Clippers team that came in with a 6-4 and four record. Damian Lillard with 25 points, 4 assists, and 4 rebounds continuing to put together uh, a, an MVP caliber season, I think. Obviously, um, some things have to go his way, but... Portland, the way they're playing right now, I mean, he's in the conversation for sure. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's in it. Uh, Stephen Curry, who who also had an injury last night in their loss to Milwaukee at home. So you're seeing the kind of the doors open up. I mean, this is a season where I I know some people have written. um, My buddy Robert Flom wrote a thing about uh, Damian Lillard for Blazers Edge and. Uh, he, he wrote that you know he, he might get down ballot MVP consideration this time. I, I'm saying forget that man. Like the guy has played like the MVP in the league so far, considering the expectations that were on Portland, how he has responded to the loss that they had last year in the playoffs. And you look at the rest of the teams in the Western Conference that might have MVP caliber players: Houston, New Orleans. They're all struggling right now. Um, the Lakers, another team that's struggling with LeBron James, another MVP candidate-type guy. Uh, and, and I think Damian Lillard, as much as anyone, has a claim to the MVP award right now in the league. And in addition to Dame's excellent play, C.J. McCollum had 23 points, and Yusuf Nurkic had 16, with half of those coming at the free-throw line, which has kind of been a, a theme for the Portland Trailblazers through the first 12 games of the season, getting to the line. Uh, I really liked Portland's game plan last night. The the Clippers started Boban Marjanovic, the, the, the 7'3 big man who, who will just dunk on you. Uh, while standing up, I mean, he's, he's I, he might be seven six actually. Forget that. He's huge. And uh, anyway, Portland was like, okay, well, you're gonna play him. We're gonna put him in the pick and roll. And the the first few plays of the first quarter and the third quarter were just screen rolls with Nurkic and Nurkic going to the, barreling to the rim and getting fouls. 
drawn on Boban. And Nurk didn't have a great night from the field in the game. Uh, I believe he shot only 30% overall on the night, but he, he got to the free throw line. And so that was was a big part of, of Portland's success last night against the Clippers. In addition to Nurkic's game, Aminu had 11 points and 8 boards. Jake Lehman continuing to play the honorary Noah Vonley, Pat, uh, the honorary Noah Vonley, Victor Claver, Alan Crabb, uh, Memorial starting position <laughs> for guys that start the game and then only play less than 15 minutes. <laughs> Lehman was very quiet, uh, zero points, three rebounds, but I like the way he's playing. I can't really complain about it. And He's been thrown into an interesting spot that now that Harkless, you know, Harkless has been so limited, so in and out of the lineup, and and been injured with that knee, and he remained out last night, and and I don't really think that there's any reason for us to anticipate that something changes there. Um, I think this is my unofficial read on it that he's out indefinitely. Uh, they're not saying that; they're updating his status on a game by game basis, but it's pretty evident that he's out until further notice. And so uh, that's a concern. But Lehman has really done an excellent job uh, filling in in that starting role. And then also Evan Turner has really done a nice job filling in as that second primary defender on the best guys, the best scorers in the league. And Turner's really taken that task in addition to leading the second unit and being the backup point guard. Uh, And Lehman also, too, he didn't get an assist last night, but I like the way he's playing within the flow of the offense. He got a rebound on one, pushed it up the floor, and found a trailing Dame wide open for a three, which Dame missed. But the shot quality there is, is amazing. And, and for Lehman to kind of show that he can impact the game when he's not making shots is, I think, a, a good step for him. And, I, and that was something that I was a little concerned about when watching him is sometimes with the Blazers starting unit if he's not making shots things weren't always going well but last night was to me a step in the right direction that he scored no points he had one field goal attempt he had three rebounds and really I thought uh, played very well and played one of his better games in helping everybody else kind of do their thing and that's the kind of stuff that you need from younger players. You need to see them impacting the game even when they're not scoring. And Lehman did that last night. So I thought that that was a nice showing from him. And as I mentioned with Evan Turner and the Blazers bench, they had a, a really nice showing in this one, especially at the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter, helping push their lead to double digits. Zach Collins, double-digit scoring again, 10 points, 9 rebounds. Nick Stauskas with eight points, even though he had a kind of a rough shooting night. And Myers Leonard uh, was productive during his run, seven points and five rebounds as well. Uh, Caleb Swanigan got some first half minutes, but it didn't. Uh, it, 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 he it didn't materialize into into second half minutes. So, and, and Portland held them to 106 points or 105 points, excuse me. Uh, they had a still pretty good rating offensively, the Clippers did, but they came in as one of the better offenses in the league. They were ranked sixth. They're still ranked sixth. And they have a lot of balance, as I said in the preview for this podcast. They had three guys score, or four guys really, scoring 20 or 19 points last night. So they gave it to the Blazers in a lot of different directions. But Portland showing once again that they had more firepower with Damon CJ and also the, the rest of the team, that bench, 
and really held they really held their own against a strong Clippers bench. So. Uh, as I thought it would be, it was a key to the game that Portland's bench stepped up and, and matched the the Clippers bench for production and, and efficiency, and, and and that is really what got Portland the win last night. So Portland improving to nine and three once again after 12 games, and and now luckily for them they've got a couple of days off, or they have one they have today off Friday, and then they have Saturday without a game as well before they welcome the Boston Celtics to the Moda Center. Uh, I mentioned the free throws from Nurkic in this game, and I want to talk about the Blazers being a really good free throw shooting team this year, not only from a percentage perspective, but they've been getting to the line. So we're going to talk about that and how that's also helped Portland uh, reach a new level offensively so far this season. And we're back here on Locked On Blazers to talk about Portland finding some unexpected success, at least in my opinion. I did not expect uh, this to be one of the early season developments for this team. And it, it's it's been impressive. And I think it, it goes kind of unnoticed because it's just, well, at least in the flow of the game, it's not exciting. And it's, it's the free throw line. And that is something that Portland traditionally, especially in the Lillard era, and even with LaMarcus, you know, they, they didn't get to the line a whole lot. They, they didn't have a lot of guys getting the line a whole lot. Dame has improved in that area over the last three years. He's been in the top five in the league in, or top seven at least last year, and he's been inching that up. He's been learning how to sell calls in the lane and learning how to draw fouls and, and, and get to the free throw line, and that's been an evolution in his game that has happened over the past three or four years, frankly. But it's been even better this year, and last night it was a key in the win, you see Nurkic get to the line eight times, and he was eight for eight, uh, perfect from the free throw line. And Dame is once again at the top of the league. He's getting seven free throw attempts per game. He's currently tied with LeBron James for fourth in the league in free throw attempts. He's even getting more free throw attempts so far this season than James Harden. Obviously, Harden was out for some time uh, with a hamstring injury. But Portland has been one of the best in shooting free throws. They're first in the league in percentage at right around 88%. Obviously, some of that is due to Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum shooting 93 and 88, respectively. So, you know, this is a they have the, the two guys that shoot the most free throws on this team are really, really high percentage shooters, sure. But uh, it's not just those guys that are shooting really well. Nurkic, who gets to the line the third most out of all of them, who has not been a very good free throw shooter over his career, is currently shooting 78%. Then you guys got guys like Nick Stauskas shooting 88% at the line. And Portland is is getting a lot of free points there, and uh, last season they were 18th in free throw attempts right now, and as it stands, they are currently sixth. So that has, at least with with regards to the rest of the league, the Blazers are doing a really good job of getting to the free throw line and then making it count when they get there. So uh, they're third also in free throws made. So that matters when you're getting there the sixth amount of times but you score when you get there then that you know you're getting more points at the line than everybody else and uh you know other than the the rim and the three-point line the free throw line is the most efficient place to get points so 
Portland has really just done an excellent job of taking advantage of that and making that more of their attack this year. And maybe it's credit to more ball movement, more player movement, creating more lanes to attack the basket. Also, one of the things that makes Portland so tough, especially in this kind of freedom of movement era, is how many great jump shooters they have. And they drew a couple of fouls last night with jump shooters, uh, Damian Lillard, Seth Curry, C.J. McCollum, and, and that has also helped the Blazers, where they're they're drawing fouls on jump shots. And you know, part of that is that the league is trying to protect jump shooters more, and uh, that's part of the reason why they've had to, or well, they where they've emphasized freedom of movement, where you can't grab guys and hold guys, especially shooters that are trying to come off screens and get open. The NBA has been really stingy on that, and they kind of let more things go around the basket. And so for Portland, a team that for a while has been looked at as a team that because they are such a jump shooting team and because they were a little undersized with CJ and Dame, you know, that's a disadvantage. But with the way the league is changing the officiating and how the game is, is, is called, I think Portland is actually in a better position than most teams because of their jump shooters and because they have guys like Damon CJ that can really draw fouls and really uh, put pressure on the defense from the outside, which is where the league is kind of going. They're encouraging more of that play, and Portland fits right into that new paradigm of officiating. And so I think that's part of the reason why Portland has seen such a big jump in free throw attempts this year uh, is, is just because they're putting pressure on the defense from the outside much more than they were last year. And guys have to go out there and contest shots and sometimes they're going to foul. And so uh, obviously Dane gets to the line because he gets to the rack at a really great rate and he attacks and CJ does as well. But And obviously Nurkic, as I mentioned. But it's I think part of it is definitely due to the league and the rule changes, and I guess this is one of those times where you can't say that the NBA has it out for the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, it, it has worked out, but we're going to talk about the Blazers' next matchup. It's another tough one, a team with high, high expectations, the Boston Celtics. So we'll come right back to talk about uh, what should be a very, very intense matchup between Boston and Portland. And we're back here for our final segment on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Like I said, it's Friday. Not going to have any more episodes the rest of this week uh, until Sunday's game, which is going to be another big one. Uh, Portland facing the Boston Celtics, another tough Eastern Conference team coming in here. Portland handled Milwaukee uh, a couple of days ago at the Moda Center, and then Milwaukee went on to beat Golden State, but this Celtics team did give the Bucks their first loss of the season in a game in Boston. So uh, the Celtics at seven and four have actually struggled a little bit. They've they've still been winning games, but they have uh, had some growing pains here trying to incorporate Gordon Hayward after he was out last season uh, after he broke his ankle. Uh, so. That has been a little bit of a struggle for Boston coming in. They did get a, a fun win last night. I wouldn't say impressive to beat Phoenix 
at, on the road at all. But they did come back from 20 points down at halftime to get the win at Phoenix in overtime, 116-109. So uh, that was their game last night. So uh, they probably had to expend a little bit of extra energy in that one. And that is good news for Portland, who is going to be well-rested and at home. But we're going to take a closer look at this Celtics team and kind of contextualize where they're at right now. So with the league going the way it's going, where the pace is going up and the scoring is going up and everyone shooting more threes and scoring more points and all of that stuff, and we've seen how Portland has kind of been at the forefront of that so far in this early season, Boston has been forced to win games going the other direction. And that's not to say that they slow the game down, but they really want to grind you out on the defensive end. They have by far the best defensive rating in the league right now. They are first in defensive rating, and they're really grinding wins out right now on defense because so far they're 27th in the league in offense. And that speaks to, once again, the struggles that they've had incorporating Gordon Hayward into the fold and uh, Utah uh, they play Utah tonight I believe and uh, it's so they're going to be coming in after a back-to-back with one day of rest but there's no there's nothing that indicates to me that they're going to have this offense figured out by the time they get here to Portland but uh, the Celtics always play the Port- the Portland Trailblazers tough. Last year, they had some really tough games. Al Horford with the game winner against the Trailblazers in Boston last year. So uh, you know, obviously, you can't take these guys for granted, even though they're struggling a little bit right now on the offensive end. And that's also, frankly, this is struggling grading on a curve because the Celtics For me, I picked the Celtics to win the NBA championship this year. I think they will figure it out. I think they are going to figure out their group and how many guys they have. Uh, Right now, it seems like they just have too many guys. They can't figure out how they all mesh and how the rotations are going to go. I think they're going to figure it out. So I do not anticipate Portland overlooking this Celtics team at all. They're going to be ready for this game. They obviously have an immense amount of respect for the Celtics. Evan Turner former Celtic and uh, you know Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum obviously are going to get a lot of they're going to they're going to get hyped for this game against Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward and then a lot of guys that people look at as you know elite defenders like Marcus Smart going out there and guarding them. So th- this should be a, a really fun matchup uh, and it, I think it's going to be another great game like that Milwaukee game and it's another great test for Portland and I truthfully believe that they're going to be ready for this one they're not going to overlook the Celtics they took care of business last night against the Clippers and I think if anything last night's game was kind of the trap game in between the Milwaukee game and the Boston game where you have two sexy opponents that everyone is talking about to potentially be the East representative in the finals now that LeBron is gone. And uh, obviously Toronto is in that conversation as well. But uh, the Trailblazers are really going to have a tough matchup. Lots of great guards. Terry Rozier, probably, arguably, I I think you put Evan Turner in the conversation as the best backup point guard in the league as well. But, uh, you know, Rozier is more of that traditional type point guard, but he can really fill it up off the bench. Uh, and, and you have a lot of really talented guys on this Celtics team. Marcus Morris comes off the bench as well. They're they're super, super deep. So uh, kind of like 
the the Boston or the the Clippers game last night, the battle of the benches is going to be really really important in this game because the Celtics uh, they have they really pride themselves on their depth. It it has been maybe perhaps a little bit of a hindrance in this early season, but I think as the season goes along, that depth is going to be their strength and. I think that depth is going to provide a really interesting challenge and a, and a tougher challenge, frankly, than the Clippers did last night on this Blazers team uh, on Sunday. So uh, that should be fun. I'm going to be seeing that game with some friends, so I, I'm happy to be in the building for that one. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blazers. The Blazers are 9-3 and three after 12 games. They are sitting pretty at third place in the Western Conference, but uh, they still have some room to improve, and they don't really have any time to slow down and uh, really be proud of themselves right now because they've got uh, the Eastern Conference favorites uh, even before the season coming into this game and one of the most uh, hyped teams in the league despite their slow start. So I think Portland's going to be ready to try and make perhaps another statement in their game on Sunday against the Celtics, which will close out their five-game homestand. So we're going to wrap this one up. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will be back here after Sunday's game against the Boston Celtics as the Blazers look to improve to 10-3 and on the season. So until next time.